The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, and it is Tuesday, June the 1st. We have made it to the most glorious month in the entire year, June. So there's nothing going on from a football perspective. It's my birthday. Oh, my goodness. I'm 26 days away from turning 40. Delightful. Um, no better way I could think to celebrate than by talking about MVP futures and week one odds with RJ White coming up in the podcast. We might bring Preet Prisco on. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll bring Sam Monson from PFF on to talk about PFF's top 100 because I didn't, Sam would do it in a heartbeat. He'd love to do it. You know, a friend of mine would pop on the show. Not a big not a problem. But you can't drag Pete on here. Lord knows the great Pete Briscoe does too much around the office. Can't have him do a 45-minute podcast. Also in the feed from yesterday, Memorial Day, a mailbag with John Breach and Ryan Wilson. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like the video and comment. Feel free to subscribe as well. And while I'm telling you about things that you need to do, you've probably seen it all over social media this week as Floyd Money Mayweather will be fighting viral star Logan Paul this Sunday on Showtime. There's only one place to get your coverage for this carnival boxing match. Brian Campbell and Luke Thomas will be on site in Miami, Florida all week to provide you with everything you need leading up to the fight. Follow Mortal Kombat, our fighting podcast, our battle combat podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts to get all the preview content you need for this crazy event. All right. To break down Brinson, real out. quick, I just want to point, you know, Mortal Kombat is great, but morning combat even better. Can I say Mortal Kombat? Yeah, I know where your head is at. A nice little play on, you know, Mortal Kombat there. But Morning Kombat Morning is Kombat. the podcast. You can also play Mortal Kombat, I'm sure. My my be. Um, I don't. I I I listen to a lot of CBS podcasts. I really do. I'm not a big fighting wrestling guy until about Saturday at five o'clock or Sunday at five o'clock when the thing's about to start. And I'm like, who's got the picks for me? Uh, and when I need those picks, you know, where I actually go a lot of the times. Sportsline.com. And uh, you can go to sportsline.com and join for probably for a dollar or sign up for free, however you want to do it, and use promo code WHITE. And you'll get, uh, you'll get the hookup from our buddy R.J. White, who's joining us now to look at week one lines and MVP futures. R.J., what's up? Get over here. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to give you crap about that, but uh, Debo beat me to it, so he was, he was ready for the finisher. I was on <clears throat> Humble Brag, Jim Rome's uh, radio program last Thursday. You may have seen me at my face over Jeff Gertula's shoulder while he was doing the all hands. Uh, I was doing the radio hit probably on company time, but I think I called, I was trying to say 
uh, Devontae. I was trying to call somebody Devontae, and I said, called him Devontae Adams. Oh, no, I was trying to say Devontae Parker because after, after you got away from Adam Gase, and I called him Devontae Adams. So my brain is just sort of right now. That's, that's where we're at. But what are you going to do? Keep on grinding on. MVP odds. Our friends at William Hill have them listed. They are constantly in flux depending on the news. Although Aaron Rodgers is still a 7-1, to one, uh, next second highest favorite, despite the fact that we don't know if he's going to play this year. Patrick Mahomes, 5.5-1. to one, Josh Allen, 13-1. to one. Those are the top three favorites. And we're going to look at some of our favorite picks for right now. Let's start, RJ, in the top pick section. In other words, you know, you, you can, it's like when you bet on golf. I talk about probably too much, but you know, you're, you don't, you're not going to take all long shots. You're going to want to sprinkle some favorites, you know, and you vary your unit size depending on what the odds are, but certainly you don't want to avoid the favorite list completely. If there's some good numbers there, who do you like in the favorite section? Let's say 20 to one or better. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes is the favorite and he deserves to be. So, you know, I'm not going to, you know, downplay anybody at him, but I just don't see a lot of value in his odds. Now um, Lamar Jackson was 13 to one. He's now 16 to one. I think that's that's you know too high. I think that uh, you put him behind Josh Allen. I mean, Lamar Jackson's already proven that he could do it. He has an MVP. Baltimore's probably the team most affected by COVID last year, uh, including Jackson missing a game. He didn't look right as a passer after his return, even though they were winning games. Um, I expect the Ravens to put more on his plate in the passing game. They bring they brought in Rashad Bateman. They brought in Sammy Watkins. Uh, I think they need to diversify the offense a little bit, and they knew that, and so they went after some pass catchers. And I think that could catch some teams by surprise early. You know, if they make drastic changes to the offense, we've seen it before where they change things up and, 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 you know, they're very smart in what they do. Um, and that could help build up his stats and get him on there. So we know he's one of the few guys in the running who has won the MVP. You know, he has that already on his resume. Clearly that ceiling is there. Clearly voters will, will you know, think about voting for him when it comes to that time um, because they've done it before. And it makes him a good value behind Josh Allen. Like I said, he's tied with Matthew Stafford. I, I think Jackson should be at least tied with Allen, maybe even ahead of him and definitely ahead of Stafford. Yeah, it is surprising that he's that low. I think. But not surprisingly, is that low. I mean, I guess people, you know, rem- we expected after his MVP season in 2019, this big leap forward in his passing stats last year that didn't necessarily come. The Ravens were, you know, lethargic at points on offense and didn't exactly, you know, they didn't win the division, right? They, they had to sneak into the playoffs. So I think that may be where it comes from, but that gives him value. I mean, you're buying low on a guy who's won the MVP before and can put up stats that I think this is fair to say literally no one else in football can. That's fair. Right. And uh, and I think they'll be, you know, I think they're one of the probably two or best three teams in the league. I think I put them ahead of Buffalo in my power ratings right now um, in the AFC. Uh, so I think there is value with, there with him because I think they could get to 13, 14 wins. And when if you're battling for the number one seed there, that's one of the things that you do is you look to the, the players on those teams to be MVP, the quarterback specifically. And, and there's also, you know, we talk about voter fatigue on here a lot and how people don't want to keep voting for the same guy. For instance, you don't want to vote. Uh, LeBron James, MVP of the NBA every single year. But there's also sort of a reverse thing in that in that Lamar Jackson has won the MVP, which makes it not far-fetched that you could vote for him to be the MVP if he has the best season. Uh, If that's like, if that's a tiebreaker, it's not like, oh, he's already won one. It's like, okay, he is, you know, he is an MVP caliber player and he has these massive stats. The Ravens were the one seed in the, uh, the AFC, et cetera, et cetera. So certainly, 
I think that could that could help him out uh, in terms of the voting. A guy that I had on my list, and I believe you have on your list as well. I like Lamar at 16, um, but if we move down to the 18 to 1 range, and you can see us posting these on YouTube, not Russell Wilson for me, no, Dak Prescott. And frankly, I, I also like Matthew Stafford, but 16 to 1 feels short. The only thing that I'm worried about Dak with is he might just win comeback player of the year, and they feel like that's his nod. And the Cowboys' defense isn't good enough to get them to 10, plus, 10, 11, 12 wins, and therefore Dak maybe not a great value. But I think at 18 to 1, it should probably be more like 13 to 1 or 14 to 1. He was on a roll before his injury. He had three straight games with 450 plus passing yards and three plus total touchdowns in each of them. Weapons are just as good this year as they were last year. That defense, you know, you said they might cost them, you know, wins, but they should make Dallas have to pass a ton and, and, you know, go through a fireworks type of explosion and win games sometimes. So if Dak plays a full season, you figure the Cowboys will go from six and 10 to double digit wins, I think, at least get to 10 wins. Being their division favorite, so they're going to be in the running for that division. It's a weaker division. And so if they win the division, they're a two or three seed. I think that matters to vote. Voters, um, you know, with Dak, his 2019 season, 4,900 passing yards, 30 pass touchdowns, 11 interceptions. That puts him in the MVP conversation already. Once you, you know, extrapolate that out to a 17 game season, he's over 5,000 yards. Not that many quarterbacks have done that historically. We're probably going to see a few more, but he's one of those guys that could definitely get there because he's shown that ability through a full season already. Uh, so, you know, you put him with those weapons, the offensive line will be better if it stays healthy this year. And uh, yeah, I don't love the defense, but I don't think it's going to stop them from winning 11 or 12 games. So I like Dak at 18 to one too. Yeah. As I mentioned, I, I had Dak on my list as well. The other guy that I had on my list from here, 20 to one, Justin Herbert won the rookie of the year last year is on a charger team that should be improved offensively and into game situations just because of coaching. They beefed up the offensive line and as t- if the Chargers were – and the defense should be healthier. Derwin James can be back. We hope you get a full 16 games of uh, Joey Bo- – 17 games of Joey Bosa, excuse me. They, they look complete to me on paper, and they have great weapons outside. There's a possibility to get Julio Jones, but if Herbert were – if they were to topple Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and win that division and secure a one, two, or one or two seed in the AFC – and Herbert plays anywhere like he played last year and doesn't have a just a huge, you know, come back to earth situation. I think I think he will absolutely get consideration for this award. Yeah, it's t- tough for me because they're in that division with the Chiefs. So it's just you don't expect them to win the division and he's going to get it as a wild card. I don't think so. Um, so that plays against him there. It's a new coaching staff. You know, we've seen new coaches kind of struggle. He has to play in a new offense. Um, uh, he's going to be familiar with the players and he's a talented guy. So maybe he can overcome that. But I think he probably starts out a little bit slow having to adjust to things like that. Um, even though I do, you know, we'll talk about that when we get to our week one picks. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if he makes up a ground with guys like Mahomes and Jackson, uh, if he starts slow. Yeah. It, 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 he, he's at a disadvantage because of the division he's in. And that's true for Drew Locke slash Aaron Rodgers slash Derek Carr slash Justin Herbert. I mean, you, you know, you're probably playing for second place in that division, but there is the bonus narrative, which we mentioned last year with Josh Allen too, coming to the season where, and Allen, you know, didn't win, but he was right there. If Allen... If the Bills take down the Patriots, he's going to get a lot of love for, you know, bucking this, you know, bucking a trend that we've seen the last 20 years. So I think that should come into consideration. You would love to see Herbert 25 to one or 30 to one. Um, Just while we're in the range here that we see these guys on here worth, I'd love to ask you about um, both Deshaun Watson and Matt Ryan. 
Ryan's come crashing down from 50 to one to 30 to one. I got him at 50, I think, but I sort of wish I could sell it because if Julio Jones is traded, I don't feel very good about Matt Ryan winning MVP. Um, and then Deshaun Watson at 25 to one. Is there any value in that RJ uh, or is it just priced appropriately for the unknown of his situation? I don't think you can touch him at 25 to one, even if he does play. And he, let's say he plays 17 games. That team is bad around him. And I don't think they're going to compete to win a lot of games. So, um, you know, I, I expect him to be under 500, even if he is playing. And you're not going to give the quarterback the MVP there. It's just not enough talent on both sides of the ball. So I think he should be a lot. I think this is taking his talent into account more than it should. I think team context isn't ta being taken into account. I think he should be a lot you know, further down this list. Um, you know, it's the same thing. The reason that Matt Stafford's bumped up to where he is is the team context, but it seems like that's not in play here for Deshaun Watson. So I would avoid him. And then Matt Ryan, I mean, that that defense is going to be worse than than Dallas. You were talking about the drawbacks of Dak. I mean, that defense is bad. They play in another tough division. I don't think that they're good enough to take down even New Orleans with their quarterback situation in flux, much less Tampa Bay. So, you know, I, I don't like Atlanta. They're a new coach in that situation too. Like I, I don't, I wouldn't play either of those guys at that price. Yeah, at I would like Tannehill, Ryan. The the problem is this market has become so they become increasingly wary of longer shots. And this happens throughout the summer where the numbers shrink because people they'll it's happened, I guess, the last I don't I guess it didn't happen last year, but well, Aaron Aaron Rodgers is a little bit of a longer number, but Josh Allen was a guy who was 45 to one. At, right after the draft, and then that number got hammered. It shrunk down, and books are scared of that. They got uh, lit up by Lamar Jackson the year before that and lit up by Patrick Mahomes the year before that. Is that right? Mm -hmm. 18, eight, or Mahomes won in 17. Mahomes won the year before Jackson. Yeah, so if Lamar won in 19, yeah, and Mahomes, and you you nailed Lamar, you nailed Patrick Mahomes as an MVP candidate before the, before the season, and it was like 60 to 1 or something like that. And so I think the books have become – increasingly wary of these longer shot quarterbacks. And, and we should point out too, when we're doing this list, you'll notice that RJ and I are not including running backs or wide receivers. Do not bet on a running back or a wide receiver to win MVP. What you need to look for is a quarterback on a team that can win double digit games and whether or not he can be value, which leads us to the 35 to one, 30 to one. Let's scroll up a little bit, Debo. Because Baker Mayfield is on there at 35 to 1. And yes, that's right. I am going to be backing Baker Mayfield to win MVP. If you look at the, the Browns, are like 16 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. I think it's more likely that Baker Mayfield has a monster season. They win 13 games and he wins MVP than it is that the Browns win the Super Bowl. The only drawback here for me, RJ, is that if you look at Baker Mayfield's stats last year from a volume perspective and Kirk Cousins' stats, uh, the, the only year. In which you know the same you know, you're dealing with the same coach, um, not good. Like they don't have it's not a ton of volume. This is going to be a running a running attack uh, for the Cleveland Browns with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and so that would be my only real concern about Make Baker. I think he takes another step forward in in this offense under uh, under Kevin Stefanski, and if he does, and the Browns are the best team in that division and win that division or a top seed in the AFC then he's going to get consideration there. But the volume is a bit of a concern for me. 
Yeah, I just don't think the number is going to be there in that offense. That's my main drawback with him. Is they will, they can have success, but they, you see that they want to do it with defense and running the ball. And so I think that's going to be the play for them. Uh, you know, we we do like playing only quarterbacks. Only quarterbacks make sense. Now, if there is a season where it's going to be a random running back or receiver, I think it could be this one in this year, this year where we're extending the season of one more game to 17 games because that increases the probability of somebody putting up, you know, a record number on the on the running back or receiver side as well. So if Right. Say Derrick Henry runs for 2,100 yards, which, you know, adding an extra 150-yard game on his tally, whatever else he does, people are going to be like, oh, my God, 2,100 yards. You know, we got to start thinking about him for MVP if the Titans win that division. Um, so the, the the fact that we're getting into that 17-game season, we don't really know what we're going to see from some of these guys. I do think that opens it up a little bit, but not enough to play any, any numbers. It's still going to be a long shot for any non-quarterback, really. Like, don't play 30-1 to Derrick Henry or 40-1 to Christian McCaffrey, in other words. Right. But maybe Nick Chubb. I mean, if Cleveland is having that good season with running, rushing and defense, Chubb puts up 2000 yards and they're the number two seed and Baker's numbers aren't there. Who knows? Maybe Chubb is the guy. Yeah, Chubb's a hundred to one at William Hill. I exactly. I could, you know, Kareem Hunt gets hurt. Baker has a good season, but he's dumping off to Chubb. Um, Kamara, maybe with no Drew Brees, if he has a special season at a hundred to one, Travis Kelsey, Kelsey can't win though. The problem is you've got to have a, a, a skill position guy who wins despite his, you know, you can't have Kelsey with Mahomes because if Kelsey puts up big enough stats to be considered the MVP, Tyree Kill is going to have big stats too, and it's just going to be Mahomes who gets it. Um, Cam Akers Probably. at 100 to 1 is at least intriguing, I guess. Probably. You know, it's like, like I said, the context comes into does he set records? Does he have 25 touchdowns at the tight end position or, you know, getting close to 2,000 yards? When, once you start getting into record care territory, then you start thinking about those guys as independent from the quarterbacks. So that would have to happen. But, you know, a lot has to line up for that to happen. Yeah. The only guys I see below 100 to 1 are, again, Derrick Henry, 30. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 40. Dalvin Cook, 60. TJ Watt, 80. What are we doing here? Aaron Donald, 80. Uh, Devontae Adams, 80. And Michael Thomas at 80. I would probably avoid anybody who uh, is under 100 to 1. Who else do you like in that? Do you like anybody else in that 30 to 30 to 50 range, RJ? The mid-tier guys, so to speak? Yeah, the uh, the the clear Mahomes slash Lamar candidate for me this year is Joe Burrow at fifty to one. You know, we look at those second year quarterbacks making the leap like Mahomes and Jackson. Burrow was a number one pick for a reason. Now he's got Jamar Chase in the fold. Now he has a full off season of prep. Love his potential to put up big numbers if he stays healthy. That defense isn't going to be great. So um, if the offensive line can block even a little bit, you know, I think he's going to have a big season. The thing that hurts him also is his division playing six games against some very good defenses. But the potential is there, and we're talking about fifty to one here as opposed to twenty to one with Herbert. So if Herbert was you know, a little bit lower in down close in that 30, 35 to one range. I would like him more and, and back up what you were saying there. But Burrow, I think kind of has that same argument. All he has to do is stay healthy. You know, you can't ever, you know, just assume a player is going to stay healthy. But when we're talking about these longer shots, you know, you just assume health and then you really like how it sets up for him. So I would play him at 50 to one. Uh, obviously the obvious concern with the Bengals and Burrow is winning games. Like, I mean, they pretty easily could be the worst team in that division. I can't see a guy whose team is fourth place in the division winning MVP. Right, so, they could, but if he takes the big step forward, maybe he leads them to 10 wins and they're the second sure. best team in the, in, in the division. Maybe Pittsburgh with Big Ben falls off. Maybe Cleveland just doesn't click for them, you know, offensively. Who knows? So and, I think and, if, the way, if they're competing. I was just saying Cleveland just really quickly started, but was, I, I didn't realize this. They went 11-5 and five last year. They're expected win total by 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 point differential was 7.7 wins. I did not realize it was that much of a 
they could certainly take a drop back. So yeah, I mean that's that's the case is they Burrow since he makes such a leap that it's almost you have to give it to Burrow. Right. And yeah, th- other things have to happen to line up for Cincy to, to win the division and be a contender, you know, at the top of the AFC. But, um, you know, we've seen that happen to other teams in the past. You know, Baltimore comes up with Lamar and in Kansas City it worked with. Now, I, I wouldn't put, um, you know, uh, the Cincy's offensive coaching staff on the level of those guys. But who knows? Maybe they have some untapped potential there. And now that these weapons are all around Burrow, he has a big season. Jalen Hurts is a guy that Debo's got his eye on. Carson Wentz also forty to one. Um, Hurts at sixty to one has actually been moved down. I didn't actually have anybody else in that thirty to fifty range. Did you have a, a second or player, or, do you, or is your next guy's in the sixty range? Yeah, my my next guy was Jalen Hurts. I mean, the Eagles were obliterated by injuries in the preseason and early in the year. If they have better health, you know, surrounding Hurts, they could return to being a playoff contender. It's it's a, it's a division that's wide open, winnable. We talked about Dallas, um, you know, being able to win that, but I think the Eagles have a shot as well. So if the O line is healthy, Hurts should benefit from having more time to throw, possibly be able to make more plays in the running game. He averaged close to eighty rushing yards in three full games running the offense. So if he's putting up a thousand rushing yards and a handful of touchdowns on the ground, that puts less pressure on him to have those elite passing stats. Those that five thousand yard season that other guys might have to carry his candidacy so one of his key positives coming into the league was his leadership quality and i think going through the whole offseason as qb1 um you know preparing as as the starter should be big for his development there and you know he gets an offensive coach now you know as uh, as the head coach there so i like the things um that could that could open up for him and make him in this conversation 60 to 1 seems like a pretty good value to me i don't think he's gonna win but i think you know as a second year quarterback he could make the leap and be in that conversation the guy I'll take is a second-year quarterback who is also 60-1 to 1 and right there on the screen, Tua Tungavailoa. I Everyone's out on Tua, and I get it. He didn't look fantastic. He flashed in one or two games against Arizona. He really showed some of what he had from you know, his time at Alabama. And the logic here for me is that you're buying low on a player in a fantastic situation with a ton of upside who was drafted early, who no longer has the Ryan Fitzpatrick factor there. You do worry a little bit about Brian Flores yanking him for Jacoby Brissett, I suppose, but they have a good defense, maybe a great defense, and they have a good, smart coaching staff, and they added uh, weapons. They get Jalen Waddell, who's a fantastic, you know, short, you can put him in short yardage. You can, you can, let, you can let him throw deep, and to his deep ball should get better, I think, as his – uh, as physically he gets further away from that hip injury. Waddle, you can throw it to him short and let him take it uh, with a ton of yak. Mike Gusecki is there. Devontae Parker can sort of morph into maybe more of a number two if Waddle steps up into that role. They're nice and complimentary. And the running game, not great, but it could feature lots of dump-offs to Miles Gaskin. So I don't know that Tua will have the numbers to do it, but if the Dolphins win 10, 11, 12 games, take that division, which is – entirely in the conversation and Tua takes a big leap forward you could absolutely uh see him in that conversation I think I think Miami has a pretty good defense though and I, I don't know that they're gonna have to win some shootouts because you know with that secondary I think they'll be able to keep sure. think things in line and statistically he won't have to open things up too much but you know the potential is there he was a high draft pick um you could see some regression from the Bills and Miami kind of is the surprise team to win the division you know people would would think that if it's anybody's going to be New England if not Buffalo um so if Miami comes out of nowhere and is in that 13 14 win range uh, Tua should be in the conversation I, I didn't want to go all all of these you know second year guys here so but uh I almost included him too but yeah 60 to one's pretty decent value yeah i mean hurts to uh and you know again herbert's short but you know you go hurts to uh and burrow and bear in mind that in the my you know in the thought process for these voters you know herbert's way ahead of everybody else like he's he's started 
he's got a lead on everybody else because he played better last year. So if these guys leapfrog him, all of a sudden it, it, it you know, their odds would drop pretty dramatically. I'm at least intrigued a little bit in um, two other guys in the 60 to one range, Jameis Winston at 60 to one. I don't, I don't think he wins it and I don't think he cuts down on his interceptions, but Sean Payton's done really good things with a lot of quarterbacks. Maybe Jameis does enough to help the saints. Maybe they win the division. If they win the division with Jameis playing 80 plus percent of the snaps and, and um, uh, freaking Taysom Hill being a, a, you know, an afterthought, then 61 is pretty good value. Now, on the other hand, RJ, maybe you think that Taysom Hill is good value. Yeah, the thing about Jameis is even if he is the starter, he, I don't, he, he is going to have a ceiling of like 80% of the time. You know, they are going to mix Taysom Hill. And if if uh, they did it with Drew Brees, they're not going to hold off not doing it with Jameis Winston, obviously. Right. So Hill's going to be a part of that offense. Now, if he's the starter, you know, at 150 to 1. I mean, if Sean Payton really thinks he, he it makes him the starter and he thinks that he can build an offense around his strengths, uh, I, you know, why can't he have success? You know, believe in Sean Payton because – He's a pretty good offensive mind. People seem to love him, you know, as an as an offensive guru. We don't think he holds a skill enough passer to be successful long term. But he did complete at least seventy two percent of his passes in the three in the three competitive starts that he made. I don't count that Denver game where uh, New Orleans didn't have to do anything on offense to win that game because Broncos didn't have a quarterback. So um, if Hill's racking up yards and touchdowns on the ground and he's throwing completing seventy percent of his passes, I mean, there's going to be an argument for him uh, if he's the starter and Jameis isn't playing. So you know, I like like with the Mahomes pick two years ago, you have an uncertain quarterback taking over with a great support system in place in terms of coach and surrounding talent. Uh, Hill isn't anywhere near the level of talent that Mahomes is, but you know, I give him a better than 1% chance of being really good and competing for this award, which is what he needs for 150 to one to be a good value play. So the only other quarterback at 150 to one at William Hill is Teddy Bridgewater. So clearly I think there's value with Taysom. Taysom, if he wins the job, you know, he, he shouldn't be in, in that, uh, in that range with all these non quarterbacks plus Teddy Bridgewater. So play him up to like 75 to one, 60 to one. I think that's fine. You're still getting decent value on him there, especially if it comes out that he's trending toward being the starter. Yeah. If he's the star, if he's the week one starter and he's going to play 80 plus percent of the snap or a hundred percent of the snaps and James is just bench. That's you're right. 150 to one is a nice play. Uh, the one problem. And th look, this is just the reality. When you get into these guys with the longer numbers, I always think about so Pete Prisco is an MV MVP voter. Could Pete Briscoe bring himself to vote Taysom Hill MVP? Pete, no. But I think most other people could. Most other reasonable human beings. Kirk Cousins at 60 to 1 was somebody that I thought was at least intriguing as well because maybe Aaron Rodgers gets traded. The Lions stink. The Bears, you know, Justin Fields isn't ready and Andy Dalton's not that good. And Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, their defense has improved. He still has to throw a lot. Justin Jefferson has another big season. Adam Thielen, too. And Cousins has, I don't know. 4,500 passing yards and 30 passing touchdowns and the Vikings win 12 games, 60 to one. You could do worse. But again, as I mentioned, you're not going to find a bunch of people who, who want to vote for him. The same goes for uh, the two guys that I'll throw out at hundred plus to one that I saw um, one Sam Darnold at a hundred to one. I don't think Sam Darnold's winning the MVP. It's pretty unlikely. I think it's more likely that Sam Darnold wins MVP than it is that Deandre Hopkins, Zeke Elliott, or, you know, Nick Chubb win it. I mean, if Darnold goes to Carolina and they're good, he, you know, they win nine, 10 games, which is not out of the question. And they're in the hunt for the division and the Buccaneers aren't, you know, blowing everybody away and the Saints struggle. Then Sam Darnold could be in the mix because he'll be the thing that differentiated Carolina. And then the other guy, I, I didn't realize what it was, but 125 to one for Jimmy Garoppolo. 
do we how quickly do we forget 2017 alex smith was in this exact same position with a great offensive mind and a and a young quarterback who'd just been drafted with a high pick that was used you know the team traded up to draft this guy nipping on his heels and alex smith was the mvp at midseason why not take a stab at Jimmy Garoppolo and hope that he just lights it up and he keeps his job the whole year while Trey Lance learns behind him and all of a sudden he has monster numbers in Kyle Shanahan's system. 125 to 1 is basically priced as if he'll be benched by week 5 and if he keeps that job, which is entirely possible, 125 to 1 is a steal. Yeah, love love the value there at 125 to 1. I just don't think that he will be the starter all year. I think they'll get it, itchy about playing Lance at some point. I don't know right. about week 5, but um but, uh, you know, unless they're running away with the division, and I don't, I don't think they will, but I think it's going to be a competitive division. Um, you know, I, I think that Garoppolo doesn't last the full season as starter. But, you know, what if he gets traded? What if he, we know it's still early in the offseason-ish? You know, what if he gets traded and he's the starter in somewhere else? You know, and uh, if he's if no unquestioned starter somewhere, he's talented enough that 125 to 1 is, is a long shot play that, that's going to have value. Like maybe he gets traded to Denver or I don't know if New England would be the spot anymore with Mac Jones there and Cam Newton, but you know there, there are certainly places he could get traded to that that he could. Yeah, how right about it? Uh, how about at Green Bay? Aaron Rodgers retires or gets moved somewhere else, and Green Bay turns around trades for Garoppolo, and uh, you know with that offensive you know scheme that's already had success, and with Devontae Adams as his number one receiver, I mean he he could have a good season there. Mm, I'm seeing seventy six to one on my local. That's probably too short. I want a hundred to one or more for. Jimmy James Garoppolo, right? God, Jalen Hurts is 47 to 1. The sawed off odds I'm getting here. This is garbage. Can you imagine betting on Dalvin Cook and uh, Derek? Yeah, these are bad. Jameis Winston's 51 to 1. What is happening on here? Out of town. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 95 to 1? No, I don't think so. Just kidding. Um, all right, those are our MVP picks. Yeah, it's early. A lot of lot of lot of offseason to go. Things can happen. Trey Lance could suddenly be a pretty good value if he's the starter in week one. Who knows? Uh, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see about week one. We'll tell you coming up after the break what are some good bets for week one. Next. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So week one odds are already out because, I don't know, was, has it always been this early for week one odds? It hadn't been, right? Typically, it is. Typically, it comes out a little bit before the draft. Um, it, last year was weird because we didn't know what, what was happening with the season. So right. I think they held they held it a little bit, you know, um, to put them out. But typically, we see it come out in mid-April, um, and we react to it for the draft. And then once the actual schedule comes out, you know, we're uh, we go, you know, ho- you know, hog wild with all these picks. So 
um, yeah, we're, we're used to having it by this point of the offseason. Uh, yeah, that's true. So let's get into the, the bets that we like. What's uh, your first bet that you're making for week one of the 2020? If you're making it right now, and you're not, I would assume you're not making these bets right now because the lines will stay. Fi- you would only want to make the bet if you're, if you're betting on a dog, right? You wouldn't want to bet a favorite and then somebody gets hurt and all of a sudden the line shoots down. Is that, does, does that seem fair or you just stay With away the- and wait? Yeah, it depends where you think there's value. You know, you, you bet them now. You bet them when they first come out, obviously, because they're, they're going to move. This, the line, lines that move the most are the week one lines from when they open because there's months for people to talk about them and get behind teams. And you can get four or five points of value if you want to play the other way sometimes. So, um, yeah, I, I would play them now if you think it's going to move and especially cross key numbers, which is what I think about this first one. Chiefs minus six against the Browns. Chiefs mm-hmm. are clearly still the team to beat. They're the top of the Super Bowl odds. I think this line is too light in general. Chiefs won by five last January but they controlled the game and they've since upgraded their offensive line considerably. Um, Cleveland's had some success in shootouts last year, but I don't think that's how they want to play. We talked about them wanting to be more control of the ball. And if they have to get in a shootout with Patrick Mahomes, I can't see them keeping up. So I expect this to close at least chiefs minus seven and maybe even higher. So getting it at minus six now chiefs at home in the home opener, I think is the way to go here. Okay. My first, uh, my first bet for, Week one, we'll go straight to the opening matchup between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. And I realized that in doing this and taking this over at 51 and a half, I'm probably going to regret it in three months. But I think this number goes up as we start to see Dak Prescott play at a level that is like, oh, this guy's just healthy. And what we've seen early on in OTAs is that Dak is just on the field. And he's just ready to play. Now, the Buccaneers defense was very good, particularly down the stretch. Um, they bring back everybody. There's no reason to think there won't be plenty of continuity there. But this Cowboys offense should be awesome. And they should be at full strength in week one. I don't think they'll come out and try to pound the ball against the Bucs. That's not how you beat Tampa Bay. If you try to run the ball with Zeke Elliott a billion times, you'll, you'll get killed there. If you throw the ball, and set up the run, which is what the Cowboys can do with C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, and Dak is the trigger man, and Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard being able to catch balls, then I think this can turn into a shootout. And there's no way that Dallas, with a bunch of inexperienced rookies, are going to slow down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. It's week one. Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, they're not going to come out and try and score with Rojo and Leonard Fournette. They're going to want to light it up and show people that they are here to put a stamp on the season. 51 and a half is high. But I like the over. It is a little high. I, I do see the anatomy of, an, of a shootout here. So I, I would do agree. But I don't know if it's going to get much higher. So I don't know if there's a ton of value. But yeah, once if we're talking in September on September 1st about what our week one plays are, and it's 51 and a half still, I would probably like it at that point. So I don't mind taking it here if you want to take it. I, th- I think the only reason, I don't think the, the sports, but like William Hill's not going to want to push it up to 54 or, you know, whatever it is, and then have everyone hammer the under. You know, that that would be the reason you maybe see it be a little stagnant. But if if Dak looks awesome in the offseason and preseason and he looks completely healthy, I think the number will climb a point and a half, two points, something like that. So I would rather take the over right now. What's your uh, next pick? So I'll go on all the way to the other side of the slate and the Monday night game. Baltimore Ooh, minus four. You're going to work at- for it. 
Baltimore minus four at Vegas. I have, like I said, I have Baltimore as one of the two or three best teams in the league. I think they're going to be a bit more versatile on offense this year. But And even if they're run-focused here, I'm not sure Vegas slows them down with that defense. So I expect them to win in the trenches handily on both sides of the ball in this matchup. I think later in the season, this line would look like Ravens minus six or minus seven if I'm right on how good they are. Um, so to get them at four here, uh, I think is a great value because um, I think they win this game pretty easily. Yeah. That was one I looked at and I didn't take mainly because you had it. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. It's, this is a Raiders defense that doesn't, doesn't play defense. <laughs> they can't stop the run. And you're inherently, just because of the shortened offseason and since the new CBA, you know, not that we always see defenses, offenses ahead of defenses, but, you know, that's just how it works. Offense, you're defensive. And the Ravens are going to come out with some funky stuff. They're going to have their offense clicking because you can, it's not as air dependent. It's not as, you know, I mean, you, you do need to practice it. You do need the reps and all that, but you're asking Lamar Jackson to be the trigger man and what to probably be some option plays. And I don't think the, the Raiders will be remotely prepared to defend it. And the Ravens have been very good in prime time. So I agree with you. I think that Baltimore stomps them. It's a little surprising. It's four. I don't really, I get it's an away game. They'll have a DJ there and all that, but man, are the, are the, What's the, the implication is the Ravens are minus 10 at home if this game's on Monday night in, in Baltimore. I'm still betting Baltimore there. And also, Baltimore's very good in week one. Last year, 38-6 to six win over Cleveland. The year before that, 59-10 to 10 win in Miami. The year before that, 47-3 to three beat Buffalo. So, I mean, this is just – they can come out in week one and dominate teams. And Vegas seems like the type of team that isn't going to be competing for, you know, a huge, uh, you know, playoff spot at this point. So, um, I don't see why Baltimore can't come out and do that to them too. If they, if you There really is the expectation of this could be like a blowout win, not just, a, you know, you squeak by with a six- or seven-point win. You know what this reminds me of is the Raiders-Rams matchup a few years ago. So, I don't know if it was maybe McVay's second year. In Gruden's first year, and I, I lost my face on the Raiders because I was convinced Gruden was going to keep it close, you know, you're in the black hole. Um, no, they got blown out. And uh, there's a decent chance that the Ravens blow them out here as well. So I would agree with that. Let's go back to the 1 p.m. slate where I will be dabbling all the way at the top, right below the Buccaneers in the Cowboys game. It's apparently early on the, the slate. I will be – oh, no, Debo and I have different setups. I'm looking for the Jets-Panthers matchup. I am going – does this thing know I'm in Carolina? Am I being targeted by William Hill? This is the second item on there. Very clever. Give me the Panthers. Should the Panthers blow out anybody? No. Will the Panthers do the, are the Panthers heavily invested in making Sam Darnold look awesome against his old team, therefore justifying their trade for him and pumping up the general PR around him? Yes, they are. Can they do it? Absolutely. The Jets defense is good, but it's not great. Quinn and Williams, questionable for you know leading into the season already he's a big factor for that defense they have a bunch of new pieces and they don't have any cornerbacks maybe they signed Richard Sherman that would be problematic I suppose for this bet but Richard Sherman ain't moving the line I think Carolina lights up the Jets at home I think Sam Donald looks fantastic and I will take the Panthers minus four yeah, I think there's a lot of good reasons to fade the Jets. New coach in his first first week, new quarterback, rookie quarterback. I don't know if he's ready to to you know be a factor on the NFL level. The thing is, I just couldn't get behind laying four points with a team that wasn't great last year in Carolina. You know, I do like the continuity on the coaching staff. Um, they have a new quarterback in place, but we, he hasn't proven that he's good. So you know, I, I think this might tighten up a little bit as the excitement builds for the Jets and Zach Wilson looks great in the preseason and this 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 and you can get down to three and maybe take Carolina there. I don't think there's any rush to play Carolina at four because I don't see why it would go up. 
That's that is a very good point. I like the Panthers, but this is not shooting to six or seven. So if you like the Panthers, probably wait on that. That was more of me saying I, I really like Carolina in week one than I think this number you have to play right now. If, if it's, yeah, spirit of the podcast and whatnot. Don't go hammering the Panthers quite yet. RJ makes a great point. Probably comes back down to three. What else you got? I like Washington plus one against the Chargers. I always love, like I said, fading new coaches in week one. And Chargers are technically road favorites here. I know it's basically a pick them, but, you know, Chargers are barely road favorites. They're going cross country. I think that Washington defense makes things tough for Herbert here. And Fitzpatrick is a good enough quarterback to score enough, even against a good Chargers defense, to get the win for Washington in, in week one. So, uh, yeah, I would play Washington here at plus one. Um, you know, I think they should be the favorites. And I think by the time we get to kickoff, they are going to be the favorites in this game. That I. Don't don't disagree. There's a lot to like about Los Angeles this year, but it is a first-year head coach, first game on the sidelines. I think we sort of, and your point about fading first-year head coaches, when it's your first time being a head coach, you, know, you can do all the preseason stuff, all the practices you want. I mean, you've got butterflies. I don't care who you are. You have to have butterflies going out there, and you have so much going on in the hectic nature of a regular season NFL game. And you've been there a billion times because you're a coordinator, whatever it is, you know, a, a quality c control coach. You've seen it all, but you're not the guy orchestrating it all until week one. And that that's that's asking a lot, especially against a veteran coach like Ron Rivera, who whatever you may think about him in terms of his ceiling versus his floor, um, he has won a lot of games. He has or you know, creates great defenses and Justin Herbert's awesome, but the expectations will be high. I, I, I agree with you. I like Washington as a home dog there, a dog. I like a road dog, but a, a guy that as RJ has pointed out many times, um, it's Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, love those East coast games. And I'm catching two and a half points. would like it to be three. If we're fading, Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts. It looks like with that juice that it will probably get there. Clearly, you prefer three to two and a half. I think Seattle just wins the game. I know that Frank Reich's an experienced coach, but this is a new quarterback with a weight of expectations. And there are questions on the offensive line. We don't know if Eric Fisher's going to be ready to start the season. There are certainly um, very nice pieces on defense, but I don't think this is an elite defense. I think Russell Wilson can put up points. Look at the total, 52. They're expecting points. And I'm just going to take Russ and Pete Carroll in week one with everybody doubting them and maybe a little too much value being placed on Carson Wentz's addition this all season. Yeah, I kind of like the other side. I, I just think the Colts are a much more complete team than Seattle. And being at home, not having to lay the full three, I would play Indy here on this. I think the better play is probably the under. Um, Seattle wants to be more ball control, run the ball, it seems like, with what they've done this offseason. It's 52 and a half with how good uh, Indy has been on defense, kind of Seattle, what they want to do on offense. Um, it just seems 52 and a half is way too much. I don't think Indy's going to light up the scoreboard in Carson Wentz's first game, although you know that possibility is there. I don't I don't love the, the Seattle defense outside of a few key guys so um you know maybe it's a lower scoring game i think indy probably pulls it out in the end though okay uh what i, well, I guess i'll give one since you've got indy as one of your best bets i missed that when i took seattle uh i'm gonna do something stupid and take a money line parlay so debo go ahead and click on the san francisco 49ers if you will sir and at minus seven and a half they're minus four ten and then you can click on them again We'll build the parlay in the in the thing and make sure I'm right. And then go check out the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, that's right. First year head coach and Urban Meyer, first year rookie quarterback in uh in in um did I get plus I said plus one oh seven. So I'm getting plus money for this parlay. I have no concerns whatsoever about the 49ers taking care of business 
in Detroit, whether it's Trey Lance or whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, they're just a lot better in Detroit. Weird things happen in week one. I'm sure I'll regret that when the, when the, when Dan Campbell nibble it on Kyle Shanahan's ankles. Um, but I also think that the Jaguars are a little bit undervalued here at minus 150 on the money line. And the, I'd rather take minus 150 on the money line than minus 125 at, at two and a half. Jacksonville's just got a way better roster. Now this blows up in my face big time if Deshaun Watson comes back because then uh, you know then I'm terrified. I just don't think he's going to be there week one. And the Texans ain't got nothing, man. They ain't got nothing. The Jaguars, at least, Urban Meyer should be prepared for week one. He should come out with some creative stuff. Travis Etienne, no doubt, catching a bunch of passes. I like the Jaguars to win on the road. It seems insane. I'm sure you have a different opinion of this, uh, but I like the Jaguars. And I was trying to get a, a piece of the 49ers without laying seven and a half on the road. And so I, I went went crazy and parlayed them with the Jags. I hate this parlay so much. I think there's no value on San Francisco that high. You know, a seven and a half point road favorite. I mean, they, they're they're a good team. They're obviously better than Detroit. We think Detroit's probably the worst team in the league, um, unless Houston. You know, unless uh, Deshaun doesn't play. But um, yeah, I just don't see any value in, in throwing this money line into a parlay because it's week one. You don't know what's going to happen. Maybe Detroit's good. Maybe the offense figures something out and and they hang with them. And we've seen Detroit be feisty early in the season before, even with when they're overmatched. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't play San Francisco go there and then i actually like the other side of the houston jacksonville game but i want to wait till it gets to three because it looks like it's leaning that way with the minus 125 there's going to be a lot of excitement for jacksonville with urban meyer and trevor lawrence but once you get to three i mean uh, what if deshaun watson does play you know i think they're the fa- they they pro- might be the favorites there against a, a jacksonville team that ha- doesn't that hasn't proven anything you know and uh lost a ton of games last year and i don't know that urban meyer is a good coach i don't know that trevor lawrence is going to come in and be great immediately so even if it has to be tyra taylor under center with houston and I'm and I'm catching three here against Jacksonville. You know, maybe you know at at home. You know, I'm not going to trust Lawrence and Meyer to go on the road and be dominant right away. So I think if you if you get it to three, you're getting good value on the Houston side, and I would play them. You know, sometimes people think I do stupid stuff randomly. Sometimes I do stupid stuff to you know you got to overproduce it a little bit. You know, it's off season podcast. I got to get something up there to elicit a hot take from RJ, and that, that certainly did it with that god awful parlay that I put together. I I, I wouldn't like planning to do that but i put the parlay together i was like oh yeah rj's gonna hate this parlay <laughs> uh what else you got yeah so I don't philly at that parlay until we know what's happening with Deshaun watson buddy. yeah and if, if he does get ruled out i'm sure it's going to go up and what if he gets ruled out and it's, it goes up and jack all of a sudden five point favorites six point favorites i love the houston side because tyrod taylor is if he's the quarterback and not davis mills he actually has some experience i trust him a little more than trevor lawrence in week one because we don't just don't know what we're going to see from that jacksonville offense so and i don't trust that jacksonville defense uh to to make huge strides right away so um i, w- I would take the value there with the home team but i like philly plus three and a half at atlanta both of these are new coaches, so it's one of them is going to have to win. Essentially, um, hmm. I have more confidence in the Philly re- the Philly rebound after having all off season to get healthy. Hurts getting all off season to prep as a QB one, like I said earlier. That Philly defense has talent to be good. So, and and I'm not sure the Atlanta offense blows up here if that Philly defense comes together. And that Atlanta defense is just going to give up points and bunches to everyone. I don't have any confidence in them whatsoever. So, I think Philly, even if they're down in this game, they can tighten it up and, and lose by three, two or three points uh, or one point. But uh, I think Philly's the better team. I think catching three and a half is really good for us. I think it, it should be on the other side of three um, once people kind of wise up on the team strengths here. Okay, fair enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do one that's a, a perspective play here. The Green Bay Packers are currently plus – 130 on the money line. 
because I don't know if you've heard, RJ. We don't know if uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be on the team. They're in New Orleans. You probably hate this stat too, but they're in New Orleans against either Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, and we don't know which one. I would posit that if Aaron Rodgers is in for this game, that the Green Bay Packers are favorites. Does that seem fair? Uh, yeah, I think I think um, without knowing what New Orleans does, but you know, New Orleans is such a good defense, also that it's hard to make them home dogs to to anyone. Uh, so Green Green Bay is going to be popular one if Rodgers stays. So I could see that. I think the play in this game is the under. I think uh, going at over 50 and a half, it's the total at this point, kind of assumes the Saints offense is going to be good no matter who quarterback is, assumes that Rodgers is going to be quarterback. If you get Jordan Love versus Taysom Hill, you know, that total might be, what, 40 and a half, 41 and a half. Uh, right. So I, I think there's there's some uh, some legit, you know, value opportunities there depending on what happens over the rest of the offseason to, uh, to play that under. And that, that under is not going to drop by 10 points overnight. You're right. That's a really good call. If it's Taysom, if you get the, even if it's Taysom Hill against Aaron Rodgers, I mean, they don't chunk the ball around with Taysom Hill in there. They're going to be methodical, right? And the Saints have a good defense, and they're, especially if they're they're rolling on an offense with Taysom Hill, they're going to want to win some lower scoring games and play it close to the vest, be con- a little bit conservative, not not take, I think, too many chances, um, you know, and have Taysom throw a four interception game in his first start or that kind of thing. So um, I, I think you'll see an efficient offense and the uh, the defense rising up like they've done for much of the past couple of years. That's a good call. I like that play. All right, what else do you have against the spread here? Uh, since he's plus three against Minnesota at home, I think it's going to get to three and a half. It looks like, uh, you know, the juice is on the Minnesota side. Um, so I like Cincy in that one. Um, you know, like I said, Burrow coming back could have a big year. Minnesota seems like they had been trending down. Uh, you know, we don't know what that the, the, the weakness of the Cincy uh, offense is the offensive line. Obviously, we don't know if we can stay healthy again through 17 games because they didn't do enough on the offensive line. Well, Minnesota has been losing pass rushers left and right, you know, uh, last couple of years. And Daniel Hunter could get traded. He's been made ways about wanting to be off of the team so if they don't have him and are reliant on you know the guys they have left I don't know if they're getting after Burrow much so I think that uh, he and him and those pass catchers could take advantage of that Minnesota secondary they didn't play that well last year even though you know they got better with Patrick Peterson this offseason um, and they can make it a bit closer game than, than we expect and I like Cincinnati to be value at plus three and a half get the three and a half because I think it's a three point game yeah I uh, I like Cincinnati there too they've improved Burrow we think we'll be healthy you know, unless you're just limping around OTAs or whatever. You know, I, I like that as well. And Zim, Mike Zimmer typically a little bit of a revenge game here, but typically a better uh, home coach in terms of against the spread than on the road. You mentioned you also have, Oh, all right. So you have the, the plays that you hadn't mentioned here, Houston plus, well, you, you, you wrote them down, but you, and you've mentioned them, but, but you haven't like specifically said them. Houston plus two and a half. You want to play it at three in Indy minus two and a half. You and I are head to head on that one. We each have one more play left. Uh, I'll go first. Chicago and the Rams. I've, I know it's Matthew Stafford and it's a big upgrade over Jared Goff. But I've seen this movie. This game doesn't go over 45 points. Not with Andy Dalton out there. Not with that Rams defense. This is a low scoring game. 45 points is not many. And I'm a little scared of it, like 46 maybe. But I, I think it closes like 43. So I will take the under 45 here uh, the, it, on a Sunday night football game that is juiced up a little bit because of the addition of Matthew Stafford and maybe because Justin Fields gets drafted. 
And I think even if Stafford does play well, um, you know, in this game, you could still hit the under because uh, there's no guarantee against that defense. The Bears are going to go on the road and score more than 14 points in this game. So you get 30 to you know 14 and, and still come in under. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of like that play. Uh, 45, I don't see it moving much around that. So I don't know that there's much need to rush out and bet it now. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens over the rest of the offseason. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was. Yeah, you're right. This is not one that you have to get now because – you don't really see a lot of NFL unders and especially in week one, get down to 43 or lower. Um, but I would, I, I don't think it'll go up either, you know, unless Khalil Mack gets hurt or Eric Donald gets hurt or something like that. These are two good defenses. that are going to you know, make life tough. And it, it would be kind of surprising if Matthew Stafford came out and was just on the same page with Sean McVay completely and ready to light things up. But we've seen the Rams certainly uh, put up points quickly. All right. What's your, uh, what's your last pick here? Yeah, I'm going with Tennessee, minus two and a half against Arizona. I think we uh, we expect them to take a step back. They've lost some pass catchers. People don't believe in them as much this year, but they've overperformed expectations the last few years. They have a great coaching staff. They, they've shown that they can outcoach other teams, and I think that they're going to have a decided advantage against the Arizona coaching staff in this game because I think they might be a little bit less than the sum of their parts from what we've seen the last couple of years there. So I think Tennessee is a good play. Um, I don't know that they're going to slow down Derrick Henry much with that defense, and the Tennessee defense can do enough to keep Kyler Murray in front of them, win a win a little bit lower scoring game here, but win it by like six or seven instead of you know uh, a twenty to nineteen type of thing. So I think Tennessee's a little bit good value here. I think it probably gets to three. Yeah, and this is one of those where we'll you know we'll see how this all plays out. But I was um, I mean you get asked a bunch about the Julio Jones situation, how it'll affect markets. And we talked about this on uh, various podcasts doing the uh, doing the divisional stuff. If Julio Jones goes to the Titans, and that's a po- possible landing spot, been rumored there. They desperately need another wide receiver besides, you know, Josh Reynolds is their number two. If they get Julio Jones, I'm not saying the line's going to go to seven, but it's definitely Julio Jones will push it over to three because people will be going to bet the Titans and books will just adjust it to the point where it's three and a half or four or something like that. And I, like, I, I mean, don't you agree with that while also acknowledging that Julio Jones is not worth two or three points of the line? Yeah, he shouldn't move the line that much, but he will. You know, I think people won't stop betting until it gets to four, but I think it should be four anyway. So if if he if they get him in it, then in my eyes, the value bumps to four and a half. I still think you're getting decent value, especially if you're playing a two and a half. Yeah. So now would be the time to bet the Titans, especially if you think that Julio Jones might go there. And the same applies to the Titans to win the division. Or, you know, their odds are they're gonna flip with the Colts if they get Julio. And it might not happen, but There'll be minus money once once that hypothetical deal goes down. All right, that's four, uh, probably twelve or thirteen bets because I got maybe fourteen total bets. I don't know how many we had exactly the same, but that's a lot of bets for week one and MVP picks. Incredible, RJ White. Anything else you want to promote? Shill about? Anything else you want to throw out there? Go to Sportsline. I know it's a down year for a lot of people, especially football fans, but we got great content. We talk horses, the fight fights, you know, combat sports you talked about earlier. I mean, we've got soccer. stuff on we've got stuff on Mayweather Paul and all the MMA every week. Soccer, we've had a ton of soccer content. We're gonna keep going with international soccer. Um, it's on there, baseball. We have parlays that have been doing well um, based on the model. Um, most days where there's a lot of night actions, you can go find some pretty good parlays to play on MLB. And of course, we're hitting NBA playoffs every game. Uh, you know, with picks, extra picks are doing doing there, and we have posts on the site as well. So a lot of good stuff coming their way. Uh, we're also rolling out a ton of fantasy football content um, starting in the last few weeks 
at Sportsline and going all the way through the start of the, the NFL season. So get get prepped for fantasy football as well as getting your betting advice all place at Sportsline. Yeah, and I would say that Mike McClure and uh, is it Justin Perry? Is it Perry? Perry's been, yeah, on, on the MLB. Yeah, Justin Perry and Mike McClure have been doing really well on the MLB. And you can, if you, you know, a little secret here, if you want some free picks, you don't, you know, I mean, I'm not saying don't sign up for Sportsline, but you can go listen to the Early Edge podcast with uh, Coach Larry Hardstein, Mike McClure, a rotating uh, ensemble of, of people, Sportsline Pod, and they give out picks every morning. And I mean, I tell Mike McClure every day. He, they move that, they move lines, you know, especially McClure giving out picks on his Discord sometimes, you know, moves moves the line within 30 minutes. So yeah. you want to get in, get the edge before the line moves, get the good value because it's all about closing line value. If you if you get in the value on the closing number, uh, you're going to win more often than not. Yeah, especially in baseball where you want that positive, you know, you're taking – you might come out of a baseball season with a losing record and you're up units because you're taking underdogs at a value. But if you, you know, if you want a dog at plus 110 and then it moves to minus 105, and that's a huge difference. So I don't know what, anyway, we're getting into the weeds on baseball gambling here. But the point is go to sportsline.com slash join, use promo code white. It's your first month, either free or for a dollar. It'll be dirt cheap and you'll be rolling in cash by the time that August comes around. RJ, thanks buddy. As always. Yeah.